go ahead, man. Take us home. It's Icy Hot. And that is it. The Miami Heat have done it yet again. They are headed back to the Eastern Conference Finals. Right for Buddha's goal to the net. Cousins, wait, drag, shoot, scores! Game winner! Series clincher! And the Panthers are moving on. The spotlight is on South Florida sports, and we are here for it. You got Jimmy Butler, you got a chance. Jimmy Butler is the guy in the playoffs I want. I'm watching these guys fight and scratch and claw. This is a fire and ice edition of Heating Up with Theo Dorsey and JMP. Presented by Duffy's. Game seven. They're normally the two best words in sports. But when you are the Miami Heat, when you're a Miami Heat fan and you are up three games to none on the Boston Celtics, on the precipice, one half away from a trip to the NBA Finals in the most improbable fashion in Heat history, and then you lose the next three, including in a gut-punching, gut-wrenching way in Game 6. Game 7 doesn't necessarily sound so sweet. It is heating up on ESPN 106.3, streaming live via the free ESPN app or on your smart home speaker. JMP with you, Jeremy Marks Peltz, until 8 o'clock tonight. Theo Dorsey's going to join us a little later on in the show. Before we get to everything that we think is going to happen tonight, Nevin Cohen is also going to join us. And if there is somebody that can give a heat pep talk, somebody that can pump us up, somebody that can lift our spirits, it is Evan Cohen because he texted me literally minutes after game six saying they are going to win. I don't know how you do that, but Evan Cohen can. He did, and he'll tell us why coming up a little bit. But before we look forward, I just got to say, for me, and I know that there are, you know, there are South Florida sports fans listening right now. There are Heat fans listening that have been ride or die from this team from the very beginning. I've been a Heat fan since they started. I was, you know, five years old, first season going to games with my dad on the Metro Rail before uh, they had the well new and improved bright line going to games at the old Miami arena. So I, I've experienced all the highs and lows. And I mean, trust me, when you're a Miami Heat fan, the highs vastly outweigh the lows. But two nights ago, that Derek White buzzer beating putback, that's the biggest gut punch loss I've experienced as a Heat fan. And depending on what happens tonight, I think it could go down as the worst moment in Heat history. Now, of course, if the Heat win tonight, then we forget about it, or maybe we don't forget about it, but it really doesn't mean a lot in terms of the grand scope of things. But in the immediate aftermath, you know, you think about the gut punch moments in Heat history. You go back to the Knicks series from the late 90s. Yeah, they lose three in a row, but you have two gut punch moments. 1999, game five, first round of the Eastern Conference Finals, the Allen Houston shot, uh, which, you know, that Derek White play kind of got some comparisons to. Heat lose the series on, on that shot. Next year, they lose in the last minute. Jamal Mashburn passes up a wide-open jump shot. Clarence Weatherspoon misses the shot. The 2005 Eastern Conference Finals, I think this one gets lost in the shuffle a little bit because they won the next year. But 05 uh, Eastern Conference Finals at home against the defending champion Pistons. They're up six and two, two minutes left 
blow that game. Maybe Stan Van Gundy should have gotten the ball to Shaq down the stretch a little bit more with Dwayne Wade playing with broken ribs. That was a gut punch moment. And then the entire NBA Finals in 2011, which was you know probably the most inexplicable playoff series loss. However, in terms of the gut punch moments versus just the what the hell is going on, what is LeBron James doing, is he shrinking the moment? I guess I'd nominate game two from that series, the Heat. We're up 15 uh, in the fourth quarter at home. Lose. Dirk Nowitzki has a game-winning blow-by layup in the final seconds against Chris Bosh. But to me, when you take into account the 3-0 series lead, the incredible season that the Heat have had, the ebbs and flows of that game, you know, after Jimmy Butler was as bad as I've ever seen him play, all of a sudden reverting back to playoff Jimmy, on the home floor, trip to the NBA Finals on the line against a team that they have just, you know, three out of the last four Eastern Conference Finals have run through Miami and Boston with the stakes being what they were. I can't think of a worse ending to a game as a Heat fan than what I experienced two nights ago. So right now that is number one for me, but hopefully in the span of a few hours it won't be number one. Because if the Heat win tonight, then what happened in Game 6 ultimately doesn't matter. With that, though, before we further look forward to Game 7, let's get to our Bev Smith Toyota Kia opening drive, give you kind of the full picture of what was, if we're looking at this subjectively, a incredible instant classic Game 6, and give you some of the highlights and the lowlights. And we start in the first half where the Boston Celtics, who have cracked the code of the Heat's defense and offensively certainly have been you know, looking more like the Boston Celtics, that carried over in the first half of Game 6, and we were waiting for the quote-unquote Jason Tatum game. Well, we certainly got the Jason Tatum half in the first half of Game 6. Top of the key, stops his dribble. He had Tatum on a back cut, but didn't throw it to him. Now Tatum catching high post right. Turnaround jump shot. It's good. Jason Tatum with 17, and the lead is 7 for Boston. Dave Pash on the call, uh, courtesy of ESPN Radio on these clips. Jason Tatum ended up with 25 points in the first half, 11 for 11 from the free throw line. And we thought it would be the Jason Tatum game. Uh, inexplicably, he kind of went silent in the second half. So it was the Jason Tatum half. Boston had a four-point lead. Tatum, as we mentioned, had 25 points. Caleb Martin, who has been superb. He, he is part of the big three. Even if he's coming off the bench, I know he started in game six, but even if he's coming off the bench, he is part of the big three with Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, and he has been probably the most consistent offensive player in this series. 14 points in the first half. Gabe Vincent had some timely threes after missing game five with an ankle injury. He had 11, and it helped keep the heat within distance despite Jimmy and Bam shooting a combined four for 16. Well, I'd like to think that things got better in the third quarter, but they didn't. Jimmy did not score. Celtics had a 79-72 lead after three. After three quarters, Miami shot just 31% from the floor, and that was despite the fact that they had a pretty nice night from beyond the arc. Speaking of beyond the arc, as the Heat finally had a run in them to cut into a double-digit fourth-quarter deficit and 
somebody that had some big threes. He ended up missing a couple of big threes, but Duncan Robinson early in the fourth had this big three. Butler with the ball, front court to her left on the right wing, throws to Duncan Robinson, catch and shoot, left side of three. Duncan Robinson brings Miami within one with eight and a half to go. So that made it 82-81. Ensuing play, the Heat get a stop, and Jimmy Butler gets a big board and put back. On the right side, handoff Robinson on the right wing. They double him, so he drives into the lane, goes to the left hand, missed the shot. The putback is good by Butler. It's the first lead for Miami since early in the first quarter. So 83-82, nice little seven-nation army. Uh, oh, 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 from the crowd. Uh, that's when the Kaseya crowd is at its best. However, though, the Celtics would then quickly turn that deficit back into a 10-point lead. You had some interesting moments, including a controversial four-point swing where Bam Adebayo somehow got called for a goaltend, a foul, and then a technical foul for grabbing the rim, even though he was trying to brace himself. Just some very spotty officiating. More on that later. So it was a 10-point game with four minutes left in the fourth quarter. Jimmy Butler, who, whether he was hurt, and I know publicly they say that he hasn't been, whether he was exhausted, which I don't think you need to know much about basketball to see that he has not had his legs, has not had his lift, whether the Celtics' defense had figured out Jimmy Butler, not going for the pump fake as much, clogging the paint, bringing some timely help. All those things combined, Jimmy Butler was the opposite of playoff Jimmy through the first 45 minutes. He was 3 for 19. He was timid. He was passing up open shots. He was getting caught napping defensively at times. But in the final three minutes, when you need Jimmy Butler to come through in the clutch, boy, did he. Let's start with Jimmy from downtown. Robinson fires to Butler on the right side. Step back three from Butler. Good! Butler has been bad, but not on that one. Miami only down four with two minutes to go. And, yeah, Jimmy had been bad, but not on that one and not on this next play. Butler across the timeline. Driving right side, gets past his man, drives it, Horford, and scores! Plus a foul! The Celtics with a mistake on defense. Butler, who's been struggling throughout the game, taking over late, a chance to make it a one-point game. So that made it 101 to 100. Uh, in the midst of that, you did have two Duncan Robinson missed threes. And, uh, you know, poor Duncan, who has had a resurgence this playoffs, uh, and I think they're going to need him tonight in Game 7. But Boston up by one with the ball. Bam Adebayo delivers a huge block, and then it turns into who else but Jimmy getting the ball in the same area, the same area where Ray Allen in another famous Game 6 10 years ago hit one of the biggest shots in NBA history. Well, it would be a little different for Jimmy, but a big moment nonetheless. And Miami is not going to call the timeout. They're going to save it. 102, 117 seconds left. Butler in the backcourt, going to bring it across the timeline with 12 seconds. He's on the left side of the floor with 10 seconds, 40 feet away. Now starts the drive. Picked up by Horford with five seconds. Right wing, Butler with five, with four. To the right corner, and he went for the shot. He was fouled by Horford. Are they going to say it was on the floor? 
Or was it a three-point shot? If it's on the floor, it will be two free throws. After a view, Horford commits illegal contact across the arm of Butler. Butler is also behind the three-point line at the time. So that part was great. They ended up giving Jimmy three free throws, and he made them all. Unfortunately, though, the officials, uh, in controversial fashion, there was 2.1 seconds when that foul was initially called as part of the challenge, and this was uh, courtesy of Joe Mazzulla, the Celtics coach, who challenged it. And when you challenge, you look at all aspects of the play, including how much time should be put back on the clock. And Zach Zarba and the NBA officials and the official in the replay center determined that Al Horford made contact with Jimmy Butler at the three-second mark. I think there's been a lot of different views on this. I don't think it's as conclusive that it was as bad of a call as some do. Spotty, nonetheless, the NBA did come out and say that they made the correct call. But uh, we didn't think that the time put on the clock would be much of a factor. But then you flash forward. Jimmy Butler, three free throws. Boston Celtics with the ball, three seconds left. And why am I talking about the time on the clock? Well, you know, but we have to relive this again. Inbound to Smart. Turns and shoots the three left wing. Around and out. Miami as a tip was good at the end, but I think the buzzer sounded. We're waiting to get an official ruling. There was a tip, and they count it. Oh, they count the tip, and Boston wins it, 104-103. And he got it off in time. I don't know how. Low left, Derek White somehow tipped it in. The ball went around the rim from Smart and out, and White tipped it in. Derek White, low left, got the rebound. Miami stopped. Derek White put it up with about a tenth of a second left. And Boston's going to win it, and we're going to a Game 7, just the fourth time in NBA After history. On the floor is confirmed. Good basket. A team has come back from down 3 nothing. Well, I wish Dave Pash was correct uh, with how that first unfolded, but the basket did count. It was the right call. And Eric Spolster after the game, I think he was on to something where Max Struess in that spot. Yeah, Derek White gets behind him, but Max Struess goes for the double team as they were going to deny inbounding the ball to Jason Tatum. He just doesn't have the foot speed to guard Jason Tatum and then sprint out to get Derek White on that putback. So just an incredibly fortuitous bounce. But after a demoralizing game like that, Eric Spolstra was anything but demoralizing in how he sounded. We wish we could tip this thing off right now. Right now, we want to tip this thing off. Um, let's play another 48 minutes, but we'll wait 48 hours and, uh, and do this thing in Boston. Meanwhile, while that was you know a crushing loss to me, maybe the most crushing loss in Heat history, while the Celtics are one game away from that Derek White bucket being... You know, maybe the equivalent of Havlicek stole the ball, Bird steal to, you know, Dennis Johnson, all the other you know historic moments in Celtics lore. Well, Jalen Brown is right when he says that it's not going to matter unless they close the deal tonight. Excited, grateful. You know, it means nothing if we come and lay an egg on our own floor. So um, still focused, you know, uh, but excited that we, we came here and did what we said we was going to do. So it all comes down to 
about 45 minutes from now, Heat and the Celtics. That is your opening drive presented by Bev Smith Toyota, Bev Smith Kia. Let's go, Miami. Let's go, Miami. Playoffs are heating up, and so are the savings at Bev Smith Toyota and Bev Smith Kia in Fort Pierce. Now is the best time to buy with big inventory, big savings at each Bev Smith location. New Kias, new Toyotas, quality used vehicles all on sale with slam dunk deals this month. Plus, when you buy from Bev Smith Toyota or Bev Smith Kia, you get a lifetime warranty plus Bev Smith Toyota, Bev Smith Kia need vehicles. So they are giving more than ever before for yours. Visit Bev Smith Toyota or Bev Smith Kia today. This is uh, the Fire Nice Edition. And real quickly, before we bring on Evan Cohen and Theo Dorsey and come back, I do uh, want to bring up the Stanley Cup Finals uh, schedule, which was announced last night. Of course, the Florida Panthers will be playing either the Vegas Golden Knights or the Dallas Stars. Incredible story for the Panthers. And the Stanley Cup Finals will start this upcoming Saturday in either Vegas or Dallas and the Panthers' home games and sunrise will be Thursday, June 8th, Game 3, Saturday, June 10th, Game 4, and if necessary, Game 6, Friday, June 16th. And guess what, Heat fans? If you're a Heat fan and a Panthers fan, you don't have to worry about flipping back and forth because the NBA Finals and Stanley Cup Finals will be playing on alternate days throughout the entirety of the Finals. But, of course, it won't matter unless the Heat beat the Celtics tonight. Someone that thinks it'll happen is Evan Cohen. He will join us next here on Heating Up. Heating Up continues on ESPN 106.3, streaming live via the free ESPN app. Game 7, the Heat and the Celtics as Miami, for the fourth time, tries to punch its ticket to the NBA Finals, fourth time, of course, in this series, and try to avoid being the first team to blow a three-games-to-none series lead. Well, somebody that uh, was supremely confident, we'll see if he still is, right after that gut punch of a ending in Game 6, afternoon drive host for 20 years on ESPN 106.3, host of Morning Men, Sirius XM, Mad Dog Radio, it is Evan Cohen. And Evan, I am impressed that... Literally, like five or ten minutes after Derek White tips that ball in, and it is the biggest gut punch that I have experienced as a Miami Heat fan, you were already calling for the Heat victory in Game 7. Please explain. Well, JFT, I'll tell you what. There's nothing about this season that makes any sense. Going into the season, they make absolutely no moves. None whatsoever. They lose P.J. Tucker. They decide, okay, we're going to... Bump up Caleb Martin to the starting power forward. And while Caleb Martin has been great now as a starting power forward, that is not what he does for a living, right? We heard all about the double bigs and potentially Omer Yurtsevin potentially being that guy. Obviously never pans out. They do absolutely nothing. I kept saying, well, I don't care about the offseason doing nothing. I just care about doing something by the deadline. Their only deadline move was trading Dwayne Dedman in a salary dump off to San Antonio, who immediately got rid of him, and then he signs with the Sixers after that. Throughout this season, their resume includes just losing to lottery teams. They lost to Charlotte. They've lost to Detroit. They lost to Houston. They lost to San Antonio. And none of it made any sense. This was the one seed last year. There are Jimmy Butler shot away from the Eastern, winning the Eastern Conference, going to the NBA Finals. 
and they do absolutely nothing. They're losing games. They're losing the lottery teams. They don't do anything at the deadline. Finally, they end up with Kevin Love. Okay, fine, but they can't catch the Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving less Brooklyn Nets for the sixth seed. They can't even beat the Hawks at home for a play-in. They can't beat, until the last three minutes, the Chicago Bulls for a play-in. None of that makes sense. And then after that entire regular season, where they've become a horrible three-point shooting team, they all of a sudden beat the Milwaukee Bucks, and not only beat them, destroy them in five games. Then Jimmy Butler gets hurt against a higher-seeded New York team, and they beat them in six games. Then, out of nowhere, they're up 3 nothing against the Boston Celtics, a team that beat them a year ago in seven games in Miami. Makes absolutely no sense. Then losing straight makes no sense. So, JMP, a long-winded answer to your question. None of it makes sense. The only thing that makes sense is that nothing makes sense. It makes absolutely no sense to go on the road and beat this Boston team in Game 7. And I think that's what they're going to do tonight because none of it has made sense all year. <laughs> I mean, that's I can go further. You all there? Here's another one. Those basketball gods above, looking down on this team, they didn't build number 40 for 20 years out of Florida by way of France, three championships later. They didn't build Batman to lose in May. His final season, he goes out in June. There's only one round Udonis Haslam leaves on, and that's in the finals. Not in the Eastern Conference Finals. And after that moment with Derek White, where clearly, by the way, the dirty little secret, the three-pointer, which Jimmy Butler got fouled by University of Florida, it's Al Horford, and Miami native, where he gets fouled in the shot, the, the violation, or the, the, the clock scenario, which is awful. They should not have put that much time left. Let's not ignore the dirty little secret, which is Jimmy is hunting revenge. Jimmy has hunted the Boston shot last year so many times this year, and if you watch it again from the other night in game six, Jimmy Butler is hunting that shot. He doesn't end up there, he ends up in the corner. He desperately wants to avenge last year. That is blatantly obvious. The Lakers finals from a couple years ago in the bubble – clearly does not eat at him the way last year, Game 7, that missed three-pointer does. They ain't going out like this. They're just not. I'm ready tonight to send my Adam Radio tweet of 12 down, four to go, with a picture of Andy Ellisberg, the general manager, holding the entire <laughs> team back in a, in a regular season game a year ago from coming in and beating the crap out of Nicole Jokic and all of his brothers. They ain't going out like this. This team was made in the mud, JMP. Yes, undrafted. We can talk about it till the cows come home. They're made in the mud. They're never good as a favorite. A favorite last year, game seven at home, is a one seed. They lose. They are the underdog. And for the last three games, one inch away from going to the NBA Finals, that's not how this team is made up. This is how this team is made up. A bunch of dogs in the kennel together when no one thinks they can win. Tonight is the night. It's happening. Eric Spolstra, the best coach in the NBA, I think he needs to take a back seat. They need to fly you to Boston to deliver that speech. Well, well, anybody who shows the guts sticks around, okay? Anybody that's got guts with this team, that wants to be involved in this team, root for this team, talk about this team, you don't go and take a cruise to the middle of who knows where in the middle of this. You fight. <laughs> and that's what's happening tonight. 
You don't leave on some boat and go to the middle of the ocean somewhere. Ah, you're fat. You may continue. Evan Cohen joining us here on ESB 106.3. Look, I will give you on top of all of that, one thing that actually might make sense in this season that has made no sense whatsoever, and that is, and you have made this point, though, including on this show, the Heat are a horrible front-running team. Jimmy Butler is a horrible front-runner player. Guess what? After blowing three straight – I shouldn't say blowing, but after losing three straight games to the Boston Celtics – they're no longer front runners. Jimmy is no longer Correct. a front runner. They're seven and a half point underdogs. They've got Scott Foster and Tony Brothers, who they lose every single time they officiate. Nobody's expecting them to win. So That's right. Let's go. That's right. And I don't want to hear about these collapses. I don't want to hear about the three one with the Warriors and the Cavs. That's totally different. This team was not supposed to be here. That Warriors team won seventy three games. I mean, let's be fair. This team was an eight seed that stunk during the regular season. Everyone and their mother before the playoffs was basically hoping that they lost in the play-in. So I'm not trying to get nostalgic and say, hey, they should be happy to be here. They shouldn't be. But this is what this franchise that I believe in, that you believe in, that those that will stick around and not go jet-setting on a dopey cruise believe in, um, 12 to 2, hello, uh, that this scenario is what this franchise is made of. This is what they, this is heat culture at its finest. It's do or die. That's what they live for. And now why would I not believe in them now? Why now would I not believe in this team? Who do you want to see in terms of the rotation, how it should be set up? Wait, wait JP, I can say all of this. The reality is, Tomball, Texas. A man that grew up with nothing. A man that, I, that no family to speak of. A man that was homeless. A man that went to a junior college. A man that was at Marquette in the final pick of the first round or 35, whatever, whatever pick he was for the Chicago Bulls. A man that the Bulls didn't want to be the guy. A, a man that the, the T-Wolves didn't want to be the guy and the Sixers didn't want to be the guy. That's what this is all about to me. It's about the guy that one year ago today, after missing that shot, said we're going to be right back here next year and we're going to get it done. A man that guaranteed victory the other night. A man that for the most part of the last 24 to 48 hours has basically been non-existent on social media where, you know, he's documenting every workout with Cliff Brickley, every beautiful uh, breakfast he has, and every big face coffee, you know, spot knows a man. It's about that man. Okay? And I believe in that man. And I believe every time that man has been doubted, he comes through. His effort in the finals against the Lakers was one of the greatest efforts I've ever seen. His effort in the first round against Milwaukee, unbelievable. We have not seen that version of him. We've seen great versions of him, but not that version of him, I believe, in a few weeks. Ankle injury, wear and tear on the body. We can sit here and talk about the hypothetical of love. We can talk about how great Martin has been. We can talk about the Struess give them a big pop and Robinson. Is Kyle Lowry playable? We can sit here and talk about all of it. It's about 22. That's what it's about. It's about Jimmy freaking Butler. Jimmy Butler's going to go in the Hall of Fame, I believe, one day. Jimmy Butler's jersey will probably be retired one day by the Miami Heat. He has meant that much the last four years to this franchise. But Jimmy Butler is a player right now that you know as the best player on the team can absolutely 
absolutely get you three times over to the Eastern Conference Finals? Can he get you back to the NBA Finals? Can he get you a ring? I'm going to believe in this guy until you tell me not to, until Jimmy tells me not to. Was he awful in game six until the end? Absolutely. Did I get anything from him in four and five? No, I did not. Do I expect him to come out tonight and take every shot and go and take no prisoners? Yeah, I do. That's what it's about tonight, JMT. Strategy out the window. Jimmy, here's the damn ball. Evan, you said all that there is to be said. Well said, JMT. You finished it beautifully. I mean, nobody could wrap up an interview like you can. I mean, just flawless as always, JMT. Evan Cohen here on Heat. Bye, bye. That's what makes him great here on ESPN 106.3. Theo Dorsey is coming up next. We'll see if Theo is as confident as Evan is. We will give our Duffy's MVPs and final predictions. Will I have the guts to pick the Heat to win? Find out next. Final segment of Heating Up here on ESPN 106.3. In this series, hopefully it will not be the final Heating Up of the 2022-23 season. Uh, That is all going to depend on what we see from the Heat and the Celtics coming up as we are about 40 minutes away. JMP with you here on ESPN 106.3. And... Joining me here for what will hopefully only be the final heating up segment of this series, and uh, we'll be back at it on Thursday for NBA Finals Game 1. Uh, but we'll, we'll have to see what transpires. But he is Theo Dorsey, uh, who has been the host of Heating Up in Houston this weekend, celebrating his birthday. Interesting birthday, I'm sure, for Theo Dorsey. And, uh, well, Theo, I guess let's start there. So son- it was yesterday. Yesterday was the, uh, the big celebration. Uh, how much of a celebration was it, considering how much of a passionate Heat fan that I know you are? It was dampened a bit. It had to be dampened a bit because of how ugly it was on Saturday night watching the Heat win but then lose and just being confused and hoping that when they did the replay, the ball was still in Derek White's hands. Like, I I can't shake any of that from my memory, but you know what? Tequila and more tequila has helped me uh, maybe forget (laughs) about some of that night. So. Got to have a short memory in this business. <laughs> so, I mean, in that spot, is there more tequila if you win or more tequila if you lose? Or is it just tequila no matter what because that's how Theo rolls during his birthday? So, it's tequila shots all day, and it would have been champagne had the Heat won. Uh, and it's going to be champagne tonight when the Heat figure out a way to pull it out at TD Garden um, as well. So, I'm already prepared for it, man. I'm going to the, I'm going to the ATB local store. I'm going to buy the the nicest bottle of uh, champagne I can find, and I'll have it on ice ready to go tonight just in case the Heat want to finally make my birthday. I know they were supposed to do it Saturday, but finally make it on Memorial Day for it. So I'm going to ask you because, you know, you're a, you've been a Heat fan for a long time, uh, and you have different sports allegiances depending on teams. So one of the things that, you know, I talked about earlier on in the show and, and you know, there's been a lot of talk is – you know, was that the worst heat loss ever? Give me, is there a moment it could be heat or, or one of your other teams? Like the worst, like, gut punch loss you have ever experienced as a sports fan? Is there one that comes to mind? The worst to me, um, I always go back to the, my first sports heartbreak, and that was the Miami Hurricanes Fiesta Bowl against the Ohio State Buckeyes and oh, the man. referees. Yeah. That Stole was an incredible. Uh, 
Yes, they've stolen national championship. They wanted they wanted one to go to the Midwest. Miami had been on top for too long. They wanted to spread the wealth, I guess, that year. But I'll never forgive Chris Gamble. Even as I was a Panthers fan and he would later become a Carolina Panther, I, I would root against him for the rest of my life due to that play. And also just the 2011 NBA Finals, man, the Heat losing to the Mavericks, I, I thought it was impossible. I think it was an utter embarrassment and one of the most disappointing times in my life. And I think if the Heat can't pull out game seven tonight, I mean, it's going to be one of the biggest embarrassments and blemishes in Heat history. And, you know, that's, I think with all of that on the line, that's why I'm starting to get more confident. This isn't the type of team, Heat culture doesn't embody the type of team that would be embarrassed like this on the national stage, right, JMP? Like, it just doesn't feel like a part of what Pat Riley would let happen. I mean, look, they're not going to tonight pull what the Sixers did in Game 7, which is just completely fold, especially after the first half. That being said, though, and I guess in some ways it gives me a little bit of confidence what happened in the last three minutes minus that Derek White put back in which, you know, the Heat all of a sudden overcame a 10-point deficit. And I thought that if the Heat won, that would be one of those games where you were waiting for the Celtics, even if they were the better team, to have an off-night shooting, which, I mean, they, they were 20% from three. Tatum, after a monster first half, uh, isn't much of a factor in the second half. So some things broke right. The problem that I have is the Celtics might just be a better team. I think they are a better team, but the story for me might just be that the Celtics woke up. I don't think it was just all due to a stupid top golf, uh, you know, get together like Al Horford's, you know, trying to say in between games three and game four. But the Celtics might just be a better team, and that's the story. The story is the eight seed finally caught up to Miami. The Celtics are the better team. I think it's clear the Celtics are the better team, but we did see that in game six because when it felt like the Heat were finding a way to win through all the thick and thin, it also felt like the Celtics, again, like you said, had a bad game and still close out the victory. Uh, they've been a better team since before the series. When you and I had our first heating up ahead of the Eastern Conference Finals, we admitted, yes, the Celtics are more talented, they're better, but we thought that the Heat would find a way to win. And I think they still did get into position to do this. Like, it, again... I picked Heat in seven when it first started. I did not <laughs> draw it up like this. But still, winning four games against an Eric Spolster coach team in a row, it's a hard task, and I'm not sure. You know, even if, I, I don't have the words for it. I'm not, I'm not confident that the Heat are going to just go out there and win it. But like you said, they're not going to fold up like the Sixers did or like the Suns have done the past two playoffs. We're going to get another good game, and it's going to come down to like, hey, Duncan Robinson, are you going to hit those shots? Hey, Max Struess, are you going to box out and get the rebound? Like, it's going to come down to those 50-50 plays that the Heat prides themselves so much on. JMP Theo Dorsey is heating up on ESPN 106.3 as we take you up until the Heat and the Celtics uh, pregame uh, getting started in just a few minutes from Boston. And Jason Jackson, uh, Amy Otterberg will have the call tonight. All right, so let's get to a couple things from tonight before we give our Duffy's MVPs. Aside from the big three, and the big three, by the way, Kayla Martin, I think has played his way into the big three. So I'm taking him. I am taking him off of the role player uh, conversation. But aside from Jimmy, Bam, Caleb, the Heat player that needs to have the biggest game tonight is whom? Gabe Vincent, and it's because we've seen it in pivotal games for the Heat these playoffs. And if he's able to be kind of the initiator with the offense, if he's able to, to, to knock down some of those threes, he was, he was kind of awful 
in game six. If he can kind of make some waves and give the Heat offense in some of those times when it feels like there's a drought, I think that can help carry the Heat over more so than what you get from a Duncan Robinson or a Max Bruce, who you just need them to hit timely threes here or there or stretch out the defense. I think Gabe Vincent needs to be the guy to step up and make some plays and just take the lid off the rim for the Heat. Yeah, and I like that because, you know, in a game like this, who knows what the rotation is going to look like? Who knows how long? And to me, you know, a guy like Kyle Lowry, for example, like he's going to play tonight, but yeah. if you have Kyle Lowry looking like he has for most of the series where he's getting picked on defensively and he's not and he's passing up shots, like I'm just having him in there for that one stint in the second quarter and then it's curtains, which you know means Gabe Vincent's a guy that is gonna have to play a lot. So I definitely like that. Um all right, let's get to the our Duffy's MVPs. And then we'll do our predictions. But first, Theo, who is your Duffy's MVP tonight? Am, am I allowed to go with Caleb Barton? You are allowed to go. Duffy's MVP okay. and go with whoever you want. You know, I'm you made up the sure. rules for this. <laughs> I'm just I'm making sure. I feel like I already mentioned it. But, I mean, 21-15 in game six. Efficient shooting the rock. The, the Heat have had the ups and downs all playoffs when it comes to shooting. And the one thing that seems to have remained consistent is Caleb Martin. Uh, especially on those spot-up threes. I, I like Caleb Martin to make an impact tonight. Um, I was going back and forth between him and Max Struess. Obviously, Jimmy Butler is the easy pick every single time, but I went with him before game six, and it did not help. It did not fulfill. So I'm going to go Caleb Martin. Um, I think he can get not a double-double, but another 20-point game and just make some of those pivotal plays for the Heat, make some of those hustle plays on both sides of the ball that can help seal the win up. I'm going Bam Adebayo. He stunk in game six. I mean, I know he had some big defensive plays late. I think you might actually see more Kevin Love in this game and and situations where you have Bam potentially guarding Jason Tatum. And I think it's two-way play. And part of this is also just because I don't think – I think Jimmy may be great tonight, but he's not – I don't think he's going to be, you know, having a 35-40 point game. They don't win this game without Bam out of bio. All right, Theo, sounds like – you are somewhat confident in a Heat victory. So, push comes to shove. Who is playing the Denver Nuggets in the NBA Finals? I believe the Miami Heat find a way to pull it out. I mean, at some point, the luck of the Irish, it's got to run out. I feel like every single one of these Celtics game sevens, they find a way. I feel like every single one of these past three games, I mean, the first two were blowouts that the Celtics got. But this past one, they found a way at the end, thanks to the refs giving them extra seconds on the clock thanks to a tip-in that just glows right by Max Struth. The ball bounced right off the rim just so elegantly into Derek White's hand. I think the luck finally runs out. The Boston Celtics have already shown us they're a team that doesn't really like each other that much. They've had the bickering. We Just just the playoff series ago, we had Jalen Brown talking about how the ball should be in his hands more and whatnot. Like this, It's all on the line tonight. They've been playing. They, they have been playing more so from a place where their backs were against the wall. Well, now it's time for them to close out. And with, the, with, with everything being even and it being in Boston, them feeling a little bit more comfortable now and confident, I feel like this is the time we start to see a couple cracks in that armor and the Heat pull out a win. For the last 48 hours, I thought the most likely scenario was that the Boston Celtics would win by double digits. But you know what? It's heating up. Mm. I've been a Heat lifer. I have the guts. Give me the Miami Heat in the most improbable way 
Nothing comes easy for the Heat after blowing a 3-0 series lead. They will avoid history, and they will get to the NBA Finals. I say that with very little conviction, but I am <laughs> going to pick the Miami Heat to win by five tonight. Theo, appreciate it. I, the Heat gave you a crappy actual birthday present, but hopefully they give you a belated birthday present tonight. They disappointed me at the end of my 20s, but they'll give me right from my 30s. <laughs> All right, that is Theo Dorsey and our Duffy's MVPs. Make Duffy Sports Scroll the hub of your playoff experience. If you want somewhere to watch Game 7 tonight, Heat and the Celtics, head on over to Duffy's. If you want somewhere to watch the Stanley Cup Finals, head on over to Duffy's. If you want somewhere to watch the NBA Finals, hopefully it'll involve our Miami Heat. I think it'll involve our Miami Heat because I have the guts. Head on over to Duffy's. Over 80 TVs in each location. Duffy's is the perfect place to watch all the playoff action and enjoy some great food and drinks along the way. Duffy's voted the best sports grill year after year with their award-winning burgers and wings. Plus, Duffy's famous two-for-one drinks all day, every day. Don't have an MVP card? Sign up for free. Start earning rewards today. Visit Duffy'sMVP.com to learn more. Duffy's, our game is always on. Let's go Heat!